and welcome to episode 102 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, recorded January 24th, 2020. My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm a student in preparedness, target shooter, and my farm's designated mediocre handyman. And I'm Hughes from Nova Scotia. Um, I've been a prepper for the last six years or so. I'm also a volunteer firefighter, volunteer um, search and rescue technician, and I came into this lifestyle to make sure that my family of uh, three young children and my wife are taken care of, both short-term and long-term. Want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air? You can buy some swag. We have both the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and the Tactical Velcro patch available at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And hey, if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want to hear your feedback, good or bad, or if there's just a topic you want us to cover, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Right, we got some highly detailed content for you this episode. We're going to start off with some uh, preparedness-related news, then we'll let you know what we did for preparedness since our last episode, then we'll get into the main topic, which is uh, critical small-scale preps. News time. So, uh, actually, the first article I have here, I'm actually trying to share a screen. I, I was playing with a new toy here. Uh, see here. I got this one. Says that we're uh, Californians are suffering unprecedented fire blackouts in January. So uh, normally these guys are usually without power in summertime because everybody's running an air conditioner. All right. Uh, and so of course it increases resistance to the line because the high draw on the current, and so they have to shut down a bunch of stuff to avoid avoid setting everything on fire with these high winds that pop up. Well, now all of a sudden they're getting them in the middle of winter because people are heating their homes, and I guess the grid's already stressed out enough because the population's increasing. And um, so now they're actually having to do brownouts in the middle of January, which is the first time ever. So That's yeah. interesting. One, one thing I thought about, too, is, um, I mean, the electric vehicle revolution, if you want to call, call it that, it's probably most prevalent in California out of any state in the U.S. or province in Canada, for that matter. So I'm wondering how much that has to play into it. I mean, I, I don't know what the penetration percentages for um, electric vehicles compared to gas in California, but um, I would assume it's probably upwards of at least one or two percent. And I mean, if you think there's what, 37 million people in California, I think, um, that probably accounts for a fairly big draw on the grid, you would think, right? Well, yeah, and they're mandating all going all electric by 2030 or something like that. Like, there's no way that grid's going to be able to yeah, handle it. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, even BC Hydro, the, the guy said locally here that they can't expect more than one in three people to go on electric cars without collapsing the grid. So I can only, and that's just in the Vancouver area. So I can imagine, like, the whole state of California, which is warm enough. Oh, Al might be showing up here. It's uh, actually 4.8% in California. I just looked it up. Yeah, so if they get even double that, can you imagine the, uh, the brownouts that are going to happen then? Right, right. So that's kind of an issue for sure. Alan. Good evening, guys. Apparently, I just needed to turn it off and turn it back on again, and now my internet's fixed. Oh, the Rogers reset. The Rogers reset. <laughs> right. Rebooted three times. <laughs> All right. So next uh, news article, we got a really good one here, actually. This is uh, going to set off some people off the deep end for conspiracy stuff, but here we go. So uh, Prime Minister Trudeau urges Canadians to cancel travel plans after data reveals 1 million traveled over the holidays and by data they mean cell phone data so they came out and actually told everybody that yeah we've been tracking everybody's cell phones on involuntarily and uh, we can tell you by age race how much you make and how far you traveled from your home like residence uh, as far as what you did over the last uh, holiday season 
So I'm wondering, is that just <laughs> Google Maps data that they're pulling? Because I mean, if you, so I mean, if if you go to like, I think it's adsettings.google.com, um, and you're signed into your Google account, you'll see all the assumptions that Google has made about you. And I checked it out myself, and it knows I'm, you know, I'm a 38 to 45 year old male and all that kind of stuff. But I'm wondering if the government of Canada is basically using that type of data, including the Google Maps that on your timeline to pull that, or is it something else? Is it the COVID-19 tracking app? Is it? Well, no, actually what it is, is uh, they they said right in the article, they're using location services off the cell phone, uh, which I guess Google Maps does tie into as well. However, for them to collate all that data is extra special as well, because they obviously put some effort into that. but yeah, moving along, they just, uh, I guess, you know, just to show you that I won't, won't pick on just one political party, I'll pick on them all. Uh, it was actually C51 under Harper that they, they passed all this that allows them to track citizens involuntarily via their cell phone data and everything without any privacy concerns. So anyways, these guys were, uh, yeah, they were telling us that we don't like you guys very much because you guys uh, traveled when you shouldn't have been. And they actually uh, even made statistics as far as which provinces were the worst offenders, how far you traveled from your home on average and everything else. And Pretty uh, invasive as far as privacy concerns go. Did they disclose who was the most? Uh, uh, Ontario was... and Quebec. No. No. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. And I just kind of laughed. I was like, you know, like, remember back in the day when Edward Snowden made headlines because he actually, like, revealed how much the government was tracking our movements and how, how deep into our privacy they were? And now we actually had the PM be his own whistleblower this time, which is extra special. <laughs> Yeah, so, Snowden tried to bring down the entire U.S. government with his with his data, uh, with his information, and the uh, uh, and then Trudeau says, <laughs> "Hold my beer." Yeah. So it was uh, it was a really interesting article. So it's in the show notes. There. I recommend everybody read it because it's actually kind of eye opening as far as that goes. And then the last one, just more for fun, just because it's uh, it just it's more clickbait headlines than anything else. I had a uh, a one from the. Uh, let's see here, the Daily Mail Online, which is not the world's best source, but anyway. Um, yeah, so they're developing cyborgs. <laughs> so they, they decided that they're going to start using uh, actual living tissue to help robots move, and um, yeah, instead of actual mechanical actuators, they're going to actually use like muscles. It doesn't have to necessarily be human muscles. They're actually going to use random animals and stuff, and um, yeah, create like machine-animal hybrids. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Isn't, isn't Boston Dynamics doing that already with like their robotic dogs or something? Well, they had the robotic dogs, but that was all mechanical, right? And so this is the first time they're actually like using living tissue, grafting it onto the machine, and having the tissue act as the mechanical actuator versus a you know a fly-by wire versus right. you know type of thing, right? So this is the first time they've actually got a, like a biological hybrid going. So. Um, so what's the over under until you know these things become self aware? And Skynet happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is just like 2021 is just uh, just taking right along with 2020, so, isn't it? 20, 2035 I, is my is my guess on that. Can we get a board going? Can we get a board I going? don't know, like Moore's law doubles every two years. It's it's going to be. Oh, it's not. I think it's half that now, isn't it? It used to be yeah. 18 months, and then. But I just just kind of off topic, but kind of on this topic as well. I saw a post on Facebook today where somebody said, "My neighbor just bought a wireless printer and left it open." So he basically printed a a, a sheet on the printer that says, "Hello, I am Lucy, your printer. I've become so so." Self-aware, and the next thing you know, the the, the printer's at the garbage bin. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fun. <laughs> just so you know, I'm really disgusted with what you've been looking at lately. <laughs> yeah, like but anyway. but imagine if somebody wanted to do that and just like 
print a picture of something that is less than legal and somebody else in a house walks by and finds it, right? Like you could you could do some real damage with that. So by the way, I can, take a few minutes and go back to our internet security episode. <laughs> so I remember back in like the early two thousands when you could buy a router from Future Shop or Best Buy or wherever and it was not secured out of the box. You had to basically set this stuff up. Um, most routers in residential areas were wide open, right? So you can connect to the network, you could see like the the dollar sign C, the dollar sign admin, all the shares, the printers, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you know, it was it was called war driving, where you drive around with like a Pringles type antenna on the top of your car. I mean, you know, it's a great way to get pulled over by the cops. But um, you know, when connecting to random wireless networks and printing stuff off of their printers and saying, if you want me to secure your wireless network, email this at you know, and be be fifty bucks, and we'll fix it up for you. And that's kind of how people pay their way through college. So. But yeah, I guess yeah, that's one way to do it. Yeah, it was uh, war driving. And there was like guys uh, driving around looking for free internet and all other things, right? Right. So, man, when I was a kid, it was garage door openers. They were all on the same. They were all on the oh, same the codes. If you if you didn't change your dip switches, yeah, yeah. yeah if you yeah, didn't yeah. change your dip switches, they were all the same. You'd go around just opening random, uh, opening random garage doors. One, two, three, four on the dip switches, right? <laughs> every so every McDonald's in. All of North America has the same uh, Unican lock on their back doors, so it's a it's a five button like it's a it's a combination lock. It's five buttons in a vertical row. Every Unican lock ever produced has the same default combination, which is two and four together, and then the number three. This is not new. This is not this is nothing different. The number of times I've walked up and opened a door. Like is in the in in the hundreds. You walk up and you can you and you just that's it's always the first like the first code you try is the default code. Probably seventy five times out of a hundred, it was never changed, and you can figure and, and and that was that's still the code or um, one one three five. You know what's funny, Alan, is I used to work at Blockbuster in the very early 2000s, and I clearly recall that was the code for the back, yep. for the, the staff door. I have opened locks with the exact same yeah. code. Yeah, yep. two and four together and three is the is the, the, the default code. If you're ever up against one of those those Unicans, those the old mechanical ones, they're the five buttons yeah. vertically. Yeah. Uh, they've got the square box. They're, they're really boxy. Um, there's, a, there's a good chance that that is the code. Now I would hope, with the millions and billions we've invested in airport security, that they're not, not answering that. that. <laughs> I'm not answering that. I I can personally attest to the fact. Yeah. That, that there are unicans on, um, that there are unicans on airports, and that they are. Um, some of them have been left in default. Scott in the show notes has a question. Um, people didn't know how to change them. I don't think it's that people didn't know how to change. I can guarantee I know what happened. Whoever installed it didn't bother changing it and just gave the the user the default code and said, "Here's the instructions on how to change it." They're like, "Why would I change it? It's it's got a code in there already." Not it's super secret, like that. Yeah, yeah super secret. <laughs> it's not one two three. Yeah, exactly. It's not one two three four five. So it's got to be secure, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's the there's a there's a clear cutoff between the installer that doesn't give a crap whether this cha gets changed or not, and them just saying, "Here's the default code. Change it." Well, and that, that's that's also it's not necessarily the installer because the installer might have direction from whoever the contract, whoever the construction manager is, to say leave it there and our security team will change it. And then that step always gets skipped because it's something that's supposed to be done by the manager and never gets done. Right, that's something that usually happens at, at move-in, right? So it happens all the time in construction where we'll put a combination lock on a door so that the the um, the trades can get in and out to do construction. And then the plan is. Once construction is finished, that code gets changed, 
we have no keys to recall. We have no, and then, and then only the right people can get in. And then that step almost always gets skipped because contractors are always behind and the store is opening while there's still contractors coming in and out the back door. And then the store is just operational. The contractor is finished and they just never bother to change it. It's, it's a matter of complacency. Yeah. Same reason that, same reason that one, same reason the default passwords are, are, are still in use. So zombie apocalypse, you can always get McDonald's hamburger buns to eat. You yep. know the code. Yep. Pickles too. The pickle jars. Those pickles last stuff. forever, right? Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Yeah. Pickle sandwiches. <laughs> and you know those, if, you happen those, to, if you happen to have the tools and know how to change the combination, you might even find yourself a little safe haven. Yeah. I mean, like, let's face it, those buns will never go bad, right? That's right. It's true. Yeah. Who who was it? It was somebody on CGN had a uh, had an apple pie on his desk. A McDonald's oh, apple pie. For, that's uh, Trevor uh, Furlot from uh, yeah, Slapfire yeah. Radio. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's so he, right. Trevor Furlot yeah. has had that uh, big. Was it Big Mac or was it apple? apple I, thought it was, I thought it was an apple pie. Apple, an apple pie. pie that's what it was. Yeah. He's had the apple pie on his desk for over five years, and it has not changed appearance, <laughs> and it has not rotten or done anything. It's still there, and he was just talking about it about ten episodes ago. It's still on his desk. That's that's insane. It's disgusting. It's it yeah. <laughs> Nothing artificial in that, right? No. No, no, no. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Uh, what we learned lately for preps, I guess. Uh, I'll start off give you guys some time to compose yourself there um, alright so I uh, worked most of the last week so unfortunately I was not able to do much around the acreage but I did make sure I took part in the Patriot Challenge from Canadian Patriot Podcast so I did my 45 minutes of exercise every day uh, 2 liters of water and then some I try and polish off a couple of these a day um, this week I was just yeah working on a new skill uh, which is, uh, I held mine up to the camera too but my camera's off Oh, there nice. you go. Smooth. Uh, yeah, two liters of water, so I did uh, a new skill and uh, did one thing to make my life better, which is a bit of a combo. I was doing some chainsaw work, but I learned a new way to bring down trees using ropes and kind of leverage and a new way to cut the tree. And it basically involves making kind of like a, almost like a, a, a chair in the in the tree. Um, local guy taught me how to do that. Anyways, and I was doing pretty good. I was uh, pulling down the trees in the direction I wanted them to come down, and, and it was it's actually a safer way to do it. The tree doesn't fall uncontrollably. It's like you control when it comes down with a rope, um, except for one time when I had it kind of like slip and fall and kind of go the wrong way, and uh, it starts falling towards one of the alpacas, who, of course, they were sitting there with the previous tree that had come down, and they were eating the, the pine needles off of it, and uh, I had this tree coming down right for them, and I literally was sitting there trying to hold up a tree with a rope... <laughs> <laughs> and it was coming down right towards him. I was screaming his name and everything else. He's like, what? What? And uh, literally the tree came down right on his back. And I swear to God, it would have killed the average human or at least snapped their back in two. He literally didn't even flinch. He just kind of moved to the side and kept eating. And I was like, oh. Sounds right. Okay. He's, he's 25 years old. Like his bones are going to be brittle, you would think. But anyway. Um, so yeah, he didn't care. Anyway. But um, that was my, my little adventure on that, just to be extra careful with my uh, my tree felling. And then, let's see here. Surprise, surprise, I did not do any CGN deals. Whoa. Are you feeling okay, Ian? Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, <laughs> but I did have uh, 24 hours sitting here uh, in, I'm currently sitting in Edmonton, so I was uh, enjoying the minus 20 weather, and I decided to sit down and plunk myself in front of YouTube for a while. And, um, yeah, so I decided to check out, see what the cost benefit analysis was behind uh, reloading shotgun shells uh, because every American down south is like sitting there beacon off about how there's an ammo shortage and we're mm-hmm. going to be out and thanks to Joe Biden threatening to ban stuff we're going to the ammo shortage is only going to get worse and there's actually CEOs of like ammunition companies coming out on YouTube saying don't go we're trying our best guys and everything else so I was like okay well maybe I'll try and see if I can mitigate this 
And uh, basically still to this day in Canada, luckily, uh, unless you're actually looking to do buckshot or like slugs, you're still way better off just buying pre-made shells because it's still cheaper. <laughs> so unless unless by some chance you have access to like a free supply of lead and you can like, cast your own slugs and buckshot or something, but... Yeah, um, I knew now is there like an economy of scale at some point where it becomes economical to reload your own stuff? Like, do you have to hit a certain threshold or what? I know well, some so trap shooters that were putting out a, like 500 rounds a week that were reloading, yeah. and, it was, and it made sense for them. But even yeah. then, even then though, it, the way Canada works is we don't do bulk deals per se. Like, for, for example, say if it's like five dollars for 100 primers, I wish. But anyways, uh, if you buy a thousand primers, it's just 50 bucks. There's no discount bulk thing unless you actually buy it might be by a five thousand case or something but uh honestly like i've been looking around and there's just no deals to be had so i've never really looked into it too deep but i know that the local skeet club that i belong to um they'll do twice a year like a, a pallet deal where they'll basically order like a pallet of primers a couple pow pallets of like a bunch of other stuff right and i think i think there's some significant cost savings to that but you have to be part of that deal right like they're basically yeah. ordering a stuff by the pallet as opposed to you know by the case or something so yeah um, the other thing i know too is i've got some friends that have gone to tire shops and gotten free lead they just basically ask for like a bucket of lead from the tire weights uh, um and they're doing i don't know if they're doing bird shot but i know they were doing buckshot with it they were doing weights for uh like like duck decoys and all that kind of stuff but that's that's a f source of free lead you just go to a tire shop and you're like do you mind if i get your your lead right so that used to be the case however it's all zinc now most of it and uh, oh is it really yeah so they, back in 2008 or so they started switching it over in california first of course uh and there's still some being used in lead but for the most part the vast majority is zinc um, so that doesn't do you any good. And the melting point of zinc is actually really close to lead. The problem is, is that if you're trying to melt one, you might melt one into the other and it screws up everything and then it becomes... So they're probably using zinc then for the, the decoys and stuff like that at this point. Yeah, and the zinc okay. about the decoys is it doesn't corrode like, like lead or anything else does, right? So like, right. Uh, or like steel does, so it's, it's good that way. Um, but yeah, same thing. Like So with a pallet deal, that might have been the case a couple of years ago, but now because these ammunition manufacturers are having such a difficult time meeting up with demand, I bet you there's no deals being cut. Uh, for the next couple of years anyways and but the good news is I'll talk about it later but there's actually some Canadian source stuff we could talk about uh, that's actually okay. a, a bit of a good thing so I'll be under the uh, I want to get a new section going in the uh, the podcast here we'll talk about that later but that's about it for me uh, do you want to go next Alan or do you want me to go I can go. Um, haven't put it in the show notes yet, but uh, this week I did a fair bit of working. I'm so I finished a course last week or two weeks ago. Everything kind of blending together these days. Um, that was part one of two. Um, so I'm doing the second part. I just signed up for that. It's going to be in about a month. Um, so I'm doing some pre some some coursework for that, some pre work for that, and still doing the working on the podcast challenge, doing the or the the. Ragnarok challenge, and doing as many uh, as much as an hour, doing about an hour to an hour and a half a day of cardio and weights, trying to get uh, trying to meet a threshold. I've got that uh, got some some pesky testing coming up that will uh, will push me to my limits, and hopefully those limits are higher than other people's. So awesome! Good luck with the testing as well, Alan. Yeah. Uh, for me, honestly, there wasn't much. Uh, the one thing that I did do is I um, the uh, there's two kind of outdoor lights on the side of my garage, and they're just fairly typical um, uh, fixtures. So what I did is I, I found the deal on um, Amazon of all places. It's uh, it was like a, a, f a security floodlight LED, 3600 lumens or so. So I bought one of those on a whim, thinking, you know what, if it's junk, I'll just return it on Amazon. I installed it, and it's basically like turning this on. Um, as soon as that detects mo 
<laughs> most motion my my driveway is just completely lit up right through the tree line all that kind of stuff so i mean for nice. 79 bucks really decent investment um i mean i was i wasn't expecting a lot there was you know mixed reviews on it and it could still junk out in six months who knows but um yeah it's probably one of the best 79 bucks i spent on amazon so um and unfortunately that's really kind of all i've managed to do this week um january is kind of a busy month at work so uh, i've been putting in a lot of extra hours but yeah that's it for me, I guess. Cool. Uh, I guess time for the main topic. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about uh, basically we had uh, Scott, I think it was, one of our listeners. Uh, basically said you should get some 10 cent items that will make or break your preps. I don't think you can buy anything for 10 cents anymore. So I kind of was thinking like under 10 bucks. But uh, so, yeah, stuff that will like uh, kind of throw a monkey wrench in, in your plans if you don't have them. So, anyways, uh, as far as that stuff goes, uh, most of the stuff that we're going to be talking about can't be reproduced locally or you can't just make a fix yourself. It usually requires a, a trip to the store to fix it if you need it. So, if things are down, you don't want to have to run to the store if you're under like a lockdown or you're at two hours from, from town or whatever. You just unnecessary trip would just suck, right? So uh, usually when you need something the most is when, you know, you just discover that you don't have any spares or anything else. So I just thought I'd kind of break it down by, by category first off. So I had uh, mechanical stuff. Anyway, uh, you probably run into this as well with the snowblowers and stuff used, but uh, like stuff like spark plugs, I mean, they're all machine specific. And they're yeah. rel- relatively cheap. I mean, they're under 10 bucks each usually. Let's get like platinum ones or something. Uh, yeah, so I'll tell you a trick I've done with that is whenever I buy um, either like a generator or any type of power tool, um, I'll see what the type of spark plug is. I'll usually order at least five. I'll probably never go through that many for that, but I'll usually order at least five. Um, typically, as part of the maintenance, every year or every two years, I'll change out the spark plug, and I always keep the sp- I always keep the one I change out because there's typically nothing wrong with it. The new one just makes it more fuel efficient. But another thing is with things like with generators, things that may leave my house, I take a pill bottle and basically put the spare park plug in there and duct tape it around the frame of the of the generator. So if anything, I've always got it. Um, I typically always make sure that I've got a spark plug changing tool, either you know in my vehicle or something. So just just a little tip is try to leave a spare park plug with the, the item itself, especially something like a generator, I guess. It's a good idea with a pill bottle, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Like I, uh, same thing. When I get something new, I usually just yeah run through the owner's manual or take a look on the plug itself, get at least a spare or two, and then have it. I actually write down in the back of the package which one it's for. Like it's for the, yeah. the snowblower, log splitter, you know, generator, or whatever. And that way, at least, like I don't have to sit there and kind of match up. I just kind of got them organized up there. Um, but yeah, and the so- last time I was a bit of a weirdo. I walked into the pharmacy with a spark plug and I said, "Do you have a pill bottle that would fit this?" And she was like kind of pulls some empty ones and she's like would this fit and i was like yeah i was like how much you want for it? she's like mm, it's all yours i was like thanks <laughs> so. well, the nutritional supplements same thing like uh you know vitamin c or whatever like there's always like some sort of uh bottle coming out of our house that would be that about the right size right so yeah um yeah this is definitely something uh oil same thing with oil of course like i mean usually it's like a, a specific grade uh, some people are running synthetic whatever but you know depending on the season everything else we need a certain grade of oil and again it's not something you can just crank out of a out of a mixing bowl right so having a spare couple quarts of oil for the sake of the cost i mean yeah if you're running low on a generator what are you, you going to do right yeah, I mean, in a pinch. I mean, if your if your specific engine takes ten W thirty and you put five W thirty in it, chances are you're not going to. It's yeah. not going to be that big of a deal. I mean, if you have a vehicle that calls for zero weight oil, I, I don't think I'd be putting thirty weight oil in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, um, mixing and matching those grades is probably not going to be that that big of a deal, right? So. 
Yeah. So other than that, uh, same thing with fuel lines. I mean, just because it's like I've actually twice in the last year needed a, like a little chunk of fuel line and, you know, I didn't have one. But now i got spares, of course. I learned my lesson. Uh, fuses, same thing, just because, again, machine specific, usually even cars, like they all have different types of fuses. There's like three or four different main types and they're so cheap. But if you don't have one, you're kind of stopped dead in the water, right? Yeah, another thing too is most new vehicles now just, I mean, if you look at the, if you pull the fuse panel, the fuse cap, you can look on the back of it and there should be at least five or six spares. It'll actually say spare. Mm -hmm. So you'll have some spares built into the panel. Worst case is if you have a, a fuse that's blown for some something important, pull the fuse on something that's not as important. I mean, even if it's your radio, I mean, you know what I mean? Like if you don't need the radio, but you need your, your wipers and switch the fuse out, right? Um, I mean, but again, it's it's best if you do have some, yeah. I don't know if I'd be able to give up my Taylor Swift though and sing along while I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> yeah. So, anyways, uh, the last thing I was just going to mention for the mechanical stuff is just uh, because, again, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where if you don't have it, small bottle of two stroke oil for your chainsaws or motorbikes or whatever you might need it for. But uh, because, again, two stroke oil, you don't want to run a machine without some sort of lubrication if it's a two stroke and make sure you have a big vat of it, ideally. And But, yeah, a small bottle doesn't cost much to have one sitting around. And that's uh, pretty much it for mechanical stuff, unless Alan had something. If he's there. Um, if you guys can hear me, I can hear yep. you just fine. Um, if, you're, if your generator or whatever tool you have for mechanical stuff has a specific wrench, take that wrench and put it in with the spark plug. Mm -hmm. um, like I have, my, my generator came with, uh, came with a couple of wrenches that I can just use to tighten up and loosen bits and pieces around my, uh, including removing the spark plug. Um, so I just, I drilled a hole in it and zip tied it to the, uh, zip tied it to the frame so that I've always got it right there. Fair enough. Fair Is it necessary? Probably not. Does it save me having to go find a thing when I'm looking for it? There we go. I know the right size right there without, without having to look. Yeah. And, uh, well, most of the spark plug, uh, sockets are somewhat universal. There's only like two or three main sizes, right? They are, but I found that some of my, like my lawn tractor, the where the spark plug is located is really hard to get to. So they, they provided the special tool for it, which otherwise I would basically have to dismantle half the engine to get the spark plug. It's kind of stupid, but um, yeah. Cool. And like um, with my chainsaw, I have a, I just have a, um, a pencil case from the dollar store and I just put all my chainsaw tools in it. So the, 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 like the, the socket and everything that it comes with, and then another spark plug and the um, just the file I use to sharpen it, and I can just again I put a, I put it on a key ring, and I can just attach that with a with a clip right to the right to the chainsaw, so it's always there whenever I need to take it with me. Can't forget it. Cool. Uh, next section I had was just for uh, lighting up the the world, so to speak. Uh, some people that run those uh, propane-powered uh, Coleman lanterns or whatever, like the mm -hmm. uh, lantern mantles themselves, kind of a one-off item, but like literally 10 cents a pop. Yeah. Um, if you do use them, I, I've actually I finally got one, and they're actually kind of handy. They, they're they great. Up, yeah, throw up a lot of light. But yeah, lantern mantles aren't exactly easily replaceable, but yeah, dirt cheap. So they're uh, they also they also throw out a fair bit of warmth too. Yeah, that was actually kind of shocked. Yeah, they're not. Aren't, they're, aren't they're they radioactive too? <laughs> oh, probably. Quite probably, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure they are, but anyways, I mean, I, I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. I, I, I thought mean, they were asbestos at first, but they're not because they actually catch fire, right? They actually will they, they they burn and turn to kind of like a pseudo ash. That's that's how they get set up when you when you like light the mantle originally. Yep. Um, but I don't know what they're actually made out of. Um, actually, it says here uh, thorium. So thorium is a radioactive. 
is radioactive and produces the radioactive gas radon-220 as it decays. Despite its short life, radium quickly replenishes from its radio parent thorium-228. So yeah, it is radioactive and it's using uh, thorium as the as the element in gas. All right. yeah. So I'm not, I'm not using that inside anymore. So yeah, the wife's going right. to make me get rid of that now. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got one and it's going back. Now, on it does say here that the byproduct can be inhaled if the mantle is being used indoors uh, and is an internal alpha emitter radiotoxicity concern. Well, there you go. So the '70s, they were just—they weren't—we weren't wearing seatbelts. We were running. We were burning thorium. I mean, I'm surprised I'm still alive. But anyway, yeah. I knew they were radioactive. I just didn't know to which which radioactive product they were using. But yeah. Well, I got this uh, the, the the top for one of those one pound propane t- bottles uh, that had the mantles on it and stuff. I think it was like five bucks, and I was like, oh yeah, cool, cool garbage score, uh, garage sale find, right? Well, that explains it. They didn't want their radioactivity in their garage anymore. So. <laughs> that, that, that's the only possible reason. Yeah, clearly. Um, yeah, so big letters and matches. Obviously, dirt cheap, uh, dollar store items, and let's face it, if, you know, I don't want to sit there and try and light a fire with, uh, you know, flint and steel or the bow drill Tom Hanks style or anything else. I'd rather just have this stuff. It's cool to be able to do that, <clears throat> upcoming episode, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but it, it's so much handier to not have to do it. Yeah. I do appreciate the bushcraft experience of trying that, but at the same time, having a lighter is just, especially yeah. when I want coffee in the morning, trying to bow drill my way into a fire. I'm sorry, I just, just no, don't matter. I, I, I want to be able to do it, but that doesn't mean I want to have to do it. <laughs> right, right. I, I wouldn't mind my kids having tried, but yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's, it's, it's that's, a, that, that's a stressful experience. From experience, I can say that, like uh, trying to get your kids to actually light your fire without matches. Oh yeah, patience, patience. <laughs> um, yeah. So in, the last in, thing I- in that, sorry, um, in in there with uh, with making fires, uh, cotton balls dipped in uh, Vaseline. Yeah, you can carve about twenty of those into a into a uh, pill bottle, and that will. Uh, I I usually wrap all wrap all those pill bottles in duct tape, so I've got a little bit more fuel to burn, because duct tape will burn actually pretty slowly, and uh, those things burn for two or three minutes. It's all about the steel wool and nine volt. Uh, oh, so battery. they guys are giving away next week. Come on now. Oh, okay, okay, all right, fine, fine, fine. fine. Strike that, bleep it out. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> just, just get just get Eric to bleep everything out. So, well, now somebody's going to copy us for sure. But we are doing fire starting next week for the listeners. Anyways, uh, so next thing I was going to mention was the uh, CR twenty thirty two batteries at the dollar store for you get three for a buck, something like that. Yep. And I mean, tell me one thing that doesn't use those batteries at some point, like whether it be red dot sites, the computer CMOS, if you don't want to lose all your settings, tiny little flashlights, little push flashlights. I mean, my, little, my kids' fire trucks. You know, yeah, waste waste scales, everything. Yeah. Like the like even the reloading scales, they they all use those. So yeah, I mean, those batteries. one thing for my Apple box. Yep. One thing I've started doing is is. Uh, kind of a, like on a consolidation thing is, you know, if I have four different flashlights that use four different types of batteries, I'll get rid of all of them and I'll go to one standard being like the 18650 or the double A or something. Cause I don't want to have six different types of batteries for six different types of flashlights. I'm exactly so I've, I've really, I mean, it used to be like, Oh, it was a great deal. So I got it, but it was using a 14, 1400 type of battery. But um, just having all these different types of batteries just led to just a total inefficiency uh, and having to always remember to bring the batteries or the right charger or whatnot. So I've really started to consolidate now selling off stuff that has really exotic type of batteries and sticking to one standard, which for me is the 18650. So, so I do, I've, I've, I'm doing everything with uh, um, USB rechargeable now, but same concept. 
Right, right. And, uh, and a lot of them, a lot of like, I have an 18650 um, EDC flashlight now that has the USB charger in it, so I don't have to take the battery out to charge it in the charger. I can just plug mm-hmm. it into the USB and that's it. But yeah, it's still, it's, it's the same thing. I'm just going to the standardization. It's like the same thing I did with ammo. Like, I didn't want to have, you know, 9 mil, 40, 10 mil, 38 special, 357. So the consolidation is is huge, right? Having having multiple firearms that use the same uh, caliber and just stocking up on that caliber as opposed to having 15 different exotic, expensive uh, calibers around. Well, especially if you sell, sell one, then you get, want to get rid of the ammo, and then, <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, so that's pretty much all I had for little light sources for now, until next week. Uh, tarps for uh, for Canadian Tire. I think I got them on sale last week for $3.50 each for the six by, or for the 9x12s. Dis- disposable tarps. Yep. I mean, disposable tarps. $3.50, who, who cares, right? So <laughs> You're going to have four bodies in that, doss yeah. over the side, and... Yeah. I've got some more expensive, like double layered or double sided with the built in grommets and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I'll use those for shelters and all that kind of stuff that I'm making. But otherwise, those three, three dollar tents, uh, not tents, I'm sorry, tarps. I mean, I've got dozens of them, right? So, yeah. And I, I think, think the, I think the three, three dollar ones only like, too. I think it's only four by six or six by eight. Um, oh, but yeah, nine, I mean, they're nine by 12 now. Nine by 12. Better. Oh, yeah. okay. Look, that's a big, tar- that's a big tart, man. You can do a lot with that. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and if you destroy it, who cares? Yeah. No, right. I, I actually use them seasonally now just to cover the wood for the rainy season after I've you know chopped it down and bucked it up and stuff. And so it keeps it relatively dry. And then by which time it's thrashed and I just toss it away and the next, next fall I use new ones. And that's, yep. it's just easier that way now. It rains on Vancouver Island? Yeah. Uh, occasionally. Hmm? Yeah. I, I think, yeah. And twice a year it even snows. <laughs> 300 Actually, days a year. <laughs> it was supposed to be twice a year as of today, but unfortunately it stayed raining, so we've only had it once this year. So, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, slight uh, deviation here. Just talk about quickly uh, firearm stuff. Like uh, for those people that, you know, in the good old days could run AR platforms and stuff, there's like a thousand different extractors, springs, firing pins, and everything else that you could probably get for under 10 bucks. That if you have one go flying, you're not replacing it unless you've got spares, and if you don't have spares, then they're coming from Brownells or across the country. You're waiting a couple weeks, right? Show us hand. Who has ever taken apart a bolt carrier? And yep, <laughs> my hands up. But again, my hands and up. I yeah, and I remember just it going somewhere in the garage, and I heard it like bounce off a few things. I'm like, no, I'm never finding that ever again. Nope. So, but I, I did have like an AR rebuild kit. It's it's like a, a bolt carrier re- rebuild kit that just comes with like you know the common pieces that everyone loses so yeah. that saved my bacon but yeah um instead of doing a field strip i did a detail strip when i should have just done a field strip and i lost some pieces so yeah and then like these extractor springs for the air bolts and stuff they're like a dollar 47 like i mean they're just they're nothing right right but who has them i mean well, to your point is brown brown l's and it's like 30 bucks for shipping and well but tna now uh, true north arms in uh it's in ontario i can't remember this thing is near allen's neck of the woods but anyways uh stanley and the gang there they, they've actually made a point of bringing in stuff like that now into canada in bulk and so we're basically getting better than u.s prices right now um on a lot of oh, small good. small parts and they're all like there's probably like three or four hundred parts for sale on this website under 10 bucks that's perfect. Yeah, so it's pretty good. Uh, so True North Arms, yeah, if anybody wants to check them out. I mean, I don't recommend a lot of their stuff because they, they also do source from China a lot, but for stuff like that, it's actually pretty good. Um, yeah, we talked about rings for tubs last week, so plumbing items, there's no shortage. Can I Should share something on that? Yeah. On the, I'm just going to share my screen for a second. Yeah. Um, so I bought this probably a year ago from Amazon, 
Um, and it was $44 in Kanikistan dollars here in Canada. But basically you get, what is it? It's uh, SAE and metric O-rings for automotive purposes, but they literally have almost every size the home gamer could use, right? Um, and for 44 bucks, it's probably one of the best purchases I've made. That's so. literally what I saw last week when the Adam Mentor was trying to help me out with the, uh, with the bathtub thing. I was like, where'd you get that? So that was Amazon? Yeah, Amazon, 44 bucks. Just search for, I, I mean, if you look, at, you see at the top, I just searched for O-ring. It's the first one that came up, and I remember ordering it, and I have it in my toolbox. I mean, I've probably used it three or four times now, but every time I've gone to use it, it's had the size that I need it in there. So there may be some really exotic sizes that, you know, this kit won't have, uh, but for the most part, it's got you covered. And for, 40, for 44 bucks, like, seriously, yeah. And it's not like they really go bad as long as you take care of them. And, yeah. Right, and I mean they're all they all have like this this pretty oily like they look pretty clean in here, but they actually come with like a, a fairly oily um, outside. So I think they have some type of protective film on them um, that means that they won't dry dry out. But yeah, it's it's a really good deal for forty four bucks. Mm-hmm. Do you got another use for Vaseline? Yeah, sure, Alan. What's the first use? The cotton balls. Cotton oh, balls to make fire. Oh, yeah, oh, right. Uh, right. What were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the other use? Use next. <laughs> next. <laughs> Uh, hoses, uh, not just uh, like garden hoses, like uh, you know, and having O-rings for those same hoses. Like yeah, again, you get a leaky hose of some sort. Plumbing supplies are quite important, like hose clamps. And again, dollar forty-seven maybe for a hose clamp, a small one. Can't hurt to have a bunch of those hanging around, right? And even just some common stuff. I mean, if your house is all copper, just get you know, just get a couple four foot lengths of copper tubing, get some elbows, some T's, um, get bites. some basic, yeah, some shark bites. If you have pecs, that's, that's what I have. Right. So I bought a, a bag of, you know, half inch and a bag of three quarter inch. And I bought the $60 tool that, um, that, that places them on the tube. And then that's it. And then I've, I do have a couple lengths, like a couple eight foot lengths of pecs just should I need to, to replace a section or whatnot. But I mean, this is stuff that's going to be a small investment. It's going to save you a trip to home Depot. And if you're in a such situation where home Depot is not, not open, it's perfect. So, yeah, I mean, same thing with copper pipe. They got those preloaded sections of pre-soldered ones where you basically just put the the, the joiner on there and you just heat it up and it just automatically solders it for you. Yep. And uh, it's pretty awesome. And even like, and there is even there are even shark bites and uh, like crimpon connectors for copper as well. So you can um, not not even just pecs. So whatever you've got in your house, um, those emergency repairs are fantastic. Even if you manage to screw something up and just need an end cap, so you can. Cap, cap it off. part of your system until, until I've seen those it. for copper too. Yeah, you can yep. like a, a, a friction fit, I guess. Yeah, it's, like, yeah it's, like a, it's like a friction fit or compression fit. Yeah, yeah right. Okay, well, that's good. Yep. Um, same for electrical repairs. I mean, just you know, have a small spool or at least a section of uh, 14.2, 14.3 wire, some morettes. Um, I mean, probably less likely to do electrical repairs than you are to do the plumbing repairs, right? But but still, a cut a cut line is still a cut line. So between electrical tape and morettes, I mean, it's like if you have to do a quick repair, it's splicing a connection. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Just but. if you if you are doing that, just a, a word of caution: um, open up the wall and don't close it in until you've actually made a complete repair from box to box, because you'll uh, you'll you'll create a significant fire hazard if you do that. Well, by code, you can't also plaster over. Yeah, um, a box. A box, yeah. right? So yeah. all connections have to be contained in a box, and the box has to be accessible all the time. So that's. Uh, I, I had a friend that bought a house who uh, <laughs> he uh, he he was putting something on the wall, and he hit something, and he 
he, I, I don't know how he did it, but he took an electrical tester and he put it up against the, the wall and he was reading and there was something there and there was actually a hidden box where wires were just basically electrical taped and they drywalled over it. So it's that kind of stuff that's going to cause a fire, right? So, yep. But people do it. Yep. Or builders do it too. I mean, just cutting corners, right? It's like, they'll, you know, as far as they're concerned, the owners will never know. It's no big deal. Wow. Yep. Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, miscellaneous tools, I, we mentioned that. Uh, zip ties, same thing. Like, get a package of zip ties from home, or sorry, from uh, Princess Auto. Prin- Princess Auto has this, has this really cool multi-pack. It's a big jar, like yeah. like, a, like a double-sized Pringles can um, yeah. with 20 different lengths and a bunch of different colors, and um, that should last you a really long time unless you're doing really weird stuff with zip ties, and that will save you a ton of, uh, a ton of oh crap moments. Now, word of caution, I know we, we have in the past um, said, you know, go to your local doll dollar store, Dollar Tree or Dollarama, depending if you're in, in, in Canada or U.S., and get some, some tools. But zip ties are probably not something you want to buy from the dollar store. You really get what you pay for. Um, a lot of them are made from really brittle plastic, um, and they won't even, I mean, if they're advertised to take a three-pound load, they'll take like a pound, right? So versus the ones you can get at places like Harbor Freight or Princess Auto, um, still pretty cheap, but I mean, a lot of these are advertised to take, let's say, 15 pounds, and I mean, their brake strength is like 45, right? So um, definitely get what you pay for when it comes to zip ties. Yeah. Uh, other one cheap thing that was uh, tea lights, and not just for heating, not just for light, but also I turned out today, I, you use them to actually uh, purify lead when you're melting down lead weights. You actually like, use that as a flux, and you just kind of really? take, take out impurities with it. Yeah, I yeah. just learned that the uh-huh. other day, learned that today. So there you go. Uh, a few a few tea lights under a uh, um, like under a terracotta pot will create a nice little heat source. Yeah. Uh, last thing was I I had was uh, padlocks. Just even the the dollar store ones. Uh, not so much as actual security or actual de- you know anything else. Just deterrence and visual more than anything else. Like or it, put it in a sock and hit somebody with it. Yeah, exactly. It'll keep people uh, honest people out for sure. And even the, the mildly criminal, but not the, the deter- determined criminal, but at least uh, mild padlocks will help. So yeah. one thing I've done is for those as well is I've kept, um, I keep like five of those fairly cheap disc detainer padlocks in my get home bag, my bug out bag. Um, and it is some additional weight, but I mean, if it's something where um, I don't want somebody to follow me and I have the opportunity to lock a gate behind me or lock a fence or anything, I'll do so. Um, again, these aren't the greatest padlocks. They're not that expensive, but it acts as a deterrent and it's going to slow people down, right? So if you have an opportunity to, to do that, mm-hmm. fences, gates, anything like that, doors, anything that has a hasp on it, lock it behind you. So at least, I mean, if, if you need to shelter in place, at least that gives you some some security, right? Some warning, yeah. Some warning, exactly. So, right, because I mean, if somebody's just going to op- open a door, you're not going to have any time at all. As as if, I mean, instead, if they have to beat down a lock or uh, cut a lock, that's going to give you some some heads up, right? So, cool. And let's see, that's pretty much all I had. Uh, Alan, you had some extra stuff here too, didn't you? Um, yeah, we put a few things in. Uh, this is a couple of listener submissions. So Scott, who's in the chat, um, he sent a few things. Now, I added uh, gasket makers. So we were talking about those O-rings that you couldn't find uh, the other day. A tube of gasket maker, you can get that from any auto parts store. We'll, uh, you can spread it in there and, and have the same effect. Uh, silicone adhesive will do wonders for just about anything. I actually saw a guy put a cinder block back together. Uh, after it had been struck by struck by a truck, um, I wouldn't recommend that. But silicone will stick anything to anything, um, or uh, construction adhesive like PL uh, PL two thousand PL premium, PL premium. Yeah. Um, glues anything to anything. 
Uh, can of lubricant, not WD-40. WD-40 is not a lubricant, by the way. It is a penetrating oil and a, and a rust inhibitor. But something like a, like I my favorite, and it's not a it's not a brand specific thing. Um, but three in one silicone lubricant, I've used that in locks and door hardware for years and years and years, um, and it does a great job. Same with uh, um, so I'm like in, in uh, sticking with a three-in-one brand just because it seems to be popular and easy to come by. Um, their lithium grease, their white lithium grease in a in a spray can. Um, if it doesn't stick and it's supposed to, that's a that's a good thing to have. Um, so Scott reminded us of the rule of Home Depot: never work on your house when you can't get to the store before it closes. <laughs> Unless you don't have a choice. Unless you don't have a choice, right? And that's why we have this. Um, so he, he mentioned shark bites. Um, we've talked about that for um, for all the all the little immediate things that we need to do. Um, grab some reading glasses from the dollar store in various intensities. Just just in case um, that might that, that can that can give you the help you need. Um, keep the silica packets from literally everything you buy. They can be reused in a lot of cases. Yeah. Uh, keep, just keep uh, the moisture down for sure. Yep, absolutely. A um, couple of couple of pairs of flip flops. Again, you can get those from the dollar store or Old Navy for pretty cheap. I think they're a dollar ninety nine at Old Navy uh, in a few different sizes. Just keep your if you if you end up with somebody at your house that uh, um, that you weren't expecting or at your bucket location, it can keep you their cold feet off the uh, or keep their feet off the cold floor. Um, in come winter time, grab a crazy carpet. The uh, like the really cheap like the flexible kind of roll up toboggans. Um, anytime you need to reduce weight or reduce friction on something, they're great. Uh, they're a great tool for that. Uh, in the rescue world, we get the heavy duty, the heavy duty thing we call the sked and it costs $3,000. You can buy two of them at uh, two of them at the dollar store though. And they won't last as long, but they'll do a very similar job. So they just reduce friction. You can slide, slide anything across the grass, across the ground and uh, a lot less effort. Also, if you're uh, running a Yeti, that helps too, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of what use for it for a bug out or something. I was like, yeah, you're supposed yeah. to be out running the snow Sasquatch. I don't know. <laughs> if the Sasquatch is after you or put it down and they can slip on it, it's like a giant banana peel. That's right. Um, a, box of, uh, a box of assorted nuts and bolts. Yep. Because yep. You, never, you never have the right size when you intend to have the right size. Uh, and then throw in a box of deck screws for anything outside and a box of drywall screws for anything inside. Cheap and, cheap and convenient. The, the drywall screws will rust, so you don't want to use them outside. And the deck screws are more expensive. You don't want to use them inside if you don't need to. And never throw out nuts and bolts. I mean, nope. seriously, I mean, just just hoard those things, right? I mean, that's why you get the ninety year old guy that has like the, the coffee cans full of them on yeah. his workbench. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Bane uh, Ironhand brings up a good point. He says the uh, translucent zip ties only last a couple of years, and even if kept in the dark, but the colored ones seem to last better. I've actually found that exact same thing as well. Like the the yeah. whitish ones seem to kind of go kind of go like that milky kind of color, and then kind of the shatter, and then the colored ones seem to do better. I remember reading that some of the black ones I picked up from Princess Auto were UV stabilized. So obviously, if you're going to have them outdoors, um, yep. the UV stabilized ones are going to mean that that plastic is going to last a lot longer, right? So, yeah. And he also mentions the fact that the crazy carpets make good cutting boards if you need to do big meat yep. processing jobs and outdoor food prep. Easy to sanitize. So that's actually a really good point. Yep. And also, if you need to drag a piece of game or a piece of game, if you need to drag an animal out of the woods, uh, it's it's less effort than dragging them across the ground. I've actually seen that where guys have put two uh, crazy carpets 
kind of zip tied together actually, and then um, they were using it to re- reduce the friction from pulling a deer out of the woods. Yep, so exactly. Yeah. That's just nice. don't try and pull the crazy carpet, pull the deer. Like, right, yeah, yeah. Rope, they rope, just, it, rope just, up to the deer and then pull that with something under it, yeah. Yeah, they were still pulling it from the antlers, but they basically had the crazy carpets yep. underneath it to reduce the uh, fr- friction, so. Yep. Yeah, that's a really good idea, actually. Cool. That's uh, pretty much and all there, I had. there are a million other little things. I mean, because I'm a safety nerd, you can never have enough safety glasses. Um, they are a super cheap and simple way to uh, to protect yourself if you're doing anything. Um, and also, every pair of safety glasses I have are all scratched up, so I'm always reaching for a new pair that end up getting scratched up anyway. Yeah, so buy the cheap ones, because you're only going to use them once or twice. They're only a buck, yeah. So. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we get them for a buck twenty-five, and they already come pre-covered in a little plastic wrap, so you just pull the wrap off, and they're perfectly pristine when you need them. So. Yep. Uh, nitrile gloves. Yeah. Like, uh, or vinyl. I, I, vinyl or nitrile. If you can get nitrile, they're better. But vinyl or nitrile are uh, just again keep yourself clean and keep yourself clean and tidy, and go back and listen to our sanitization episode about that, or our sanitation episode. Um, just be careful. Um, I found that some people have bought some of the cheaper nitrile gloves that are really, really thin, and just putting them on will sometimes rip the gloves. Absolutely. Um, get something that's a little thicker. I know, like me- mechanics have the black ones, which I think are ten mil. I want to say yeah, ten mil, thick, but yep. they're really thick. Those are probably a little bit too thick. But I think I found that um, I found some surgical ones that actually go down to about halfway down your elbow or your forearm. I'm sorry, um, halfway down your forearm. Um, they're really uh, scoop them as far as the as far as the grade of them, and I've never had them rip on me. Um, I use those for working around the garage and all kind of stuff. They are a bit more expensive; they're not like ten ten dollars a box, um, but the additional coverage that they give you and and the thickness is great. So if, if you happen to be delivering a cow, you're good to go, right? Just <laughs> to make the same joke again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our vet friend was telling us that story where the first time she had to put on the, the whole the arm length glove to reach in there and then kind of reorganize things. I was like, oh, oh. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a thing. So it's a thing. Re- reorganize things, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, when you got the the umbilical cord wrapped around the wrong, you know, around the neck or something, and they're trying to give birth to this cow, and yeah, you want to save the calf, and yeah, it's it's a thing. <laughs> it's so, a thing. Yeah. Uh, podcast all the time. slickers. Yes, they had to do that, and he lost his watch. <laughs> oh, that's right. And he kind of pointed at him and let let loose some stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, podcast yeah. challenge. Do an inventory of your critical preps and add the small parts as required. Um, I'll take that one step further and organize them in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, upcoming events. So in the fact that pretty much everything's canceled for the foreseeable <laughs> future, canceled. I was actually trying to think of doing a, like a new section, like a semi-regular section here called Deal of the Week. So maybe we'll all try and see if we can find something that's on sale for cheap that's preparedness-related. So, as we were talking about earlier today, with the uh, you know the ammunition frantic panic buying down the states, luckily enough, there's some made in Canada shotgun shells uh, that they source the sh- the hulls from France and they make the rest of it in Canada. Um, it's a yeah, it's called uh, Challenger shot shells. Anyways, they're on sale right now at Cabela's for seven dollars a box, which is pretty much half the price of anything else. And um, for the next week or so, you got a chance to stock up on some like bird shot that's basically hunting equivalent same type of same type of load same weight of load everything else is a regular hunting ammo but it's dirt cheap right now so nice so i threw the link in there for some uh yeah 12 gauge uh, shot shells um i can add 
going back to those organizations and those all those little parts and pieces, uh, Princess Auto Flyer this week had the uh, the little parts cabinets. So they've got I think there's 60, 60 drawers. The like what are they two by two by four inch deep drawers, six inch deep drawers uh, for thirty bucks. It's it's usually fifty or sixty for those things, and they're they're a good deal and they're good quality. Um, you buy those, they last forever. It's not something that's going to break on you. But those are absolutely fantastic for organizing your parts and pieces. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I had. Uh, Shoutouts. Alan, you got anybody? Um, well, I'll shout out Scott. Um, he was on the uh, 100th episode. Uh, he was he was one of our one of our guests, and he was a major contributor to the stuff that we did tonight, so I didn't have to do anything, which was fantastic. So thank you, Scott, and hopefully we'll get you back on uh, at some point soon. Hughes, you got anybody? No, I'm good. All right, uh, I got one for uh, the new listener, Bill. Uh, first time listening tonight, and uh, hopefully enjoyed the show. Welcome, and see, yeah, so we got a uh, shameless plug for the Amazon link. So you just follow the Amazon link we throw in the show notes, and don't have to buy what you see there. But if you do your shopping from that point onwards, do all your searches and add to cart from there, I do believe uh, Rapid Survival gets a bit of kickback on that and helps uh, offset the cost of the hosting and everything else. So mm-hmm. uh, randomly. Uh, Plugging that. Let's see here. Uh, Bane Ironhand does ask, does organizing include putting all your lists on the same list? <laughs> I have three lists that I can't, uh, so I can find uh, anything, probably. Well, I suppose um, having so a, maybe a, a cross-reference, an index maybe for your list, would that help? Put it... Your, put every put everything in a, uh, in a spreadsheet on multiple... Like, you can do multiple... Uh, tabs in your workbook and then anytime you're looking for something control f to find type in what you're looking for and it'll find it for you cool that's that's the easiest way i can think of to do it all right i've got a uh email review from a glenn tate author of the 299 days series uh glenn. yes it's a combination of uh email to us and a plug for his own stuff but that's all right i told him i'd plug it for him um so he just said, I put out some flashcards to teach preppers the practical and not geeky technical stuff they need to know about ham radio. Too many preppers view ham radio as some sort of complicated hill that's too high to climb. So he made a PAM radio. Basically, it's like prepper amateur radio. PAM radio huh. tells them what they need to know in about 45 minutes and includes links specific to vetted radios and accessories that will work. PAM radio is a godsend to preppers trying to check comms off on their uh, long to-do list. So I put a link in there. The info on PAM radio is about 95% applicable to Canadian hams, and the rest of the 5% is like US radio rigs, but uh, it's still pretty good. And basically what it is, it's a bunch of flashcards. He gives you a bunch of videos on the website. I took a look at it already. And so there's a bunch of preview videos for each of the flashcards, and basically if you're willing to pay 15 bucks, he sends you everything you need to, to do, know to pass the test, basically. Well, that's cool. Yeah, so it's kind of a neat step. It's, it's a good website, so I'll check it that. out. It's, I think uh, I might order that tonight because I think I'm the only podcaster that doesn't have his ham license. I think you are. I think I am. You're uh, on and the website is uh, www.pam-radio.com. So uh, for the listeners, and I'll throw it in the show notes as well. Anything else, guys? That's all I got. That's all I got. All right. Well, I'm going to bring episode 102 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please help us out and submit a review. It helps other people find us. We do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the show, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast. Click the notifications tab. gives you an alert when we're going live. Do the exact same thing on Facebook if that's your preferred media. You can contact me directly, Alan, that's with one L, at prepperpodcast.ca. And I can be reached at hfxprepper at gmail.com. 
Right on. You can reach Ian directly by emailing me at thewesternretreat.com. Uh, uh, try that again. Thewesternretreat at gmail.com. You can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube. There you can find us discussing why government waste in society makes me get fixated on spare parts. Thanks for joining us. Till next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning. <laughs>